0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Brandon in Cooks to the Cowboys, Derek Carr to the Saints, Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders, Alan Lazard to the Jets. We're talking all that and much more on roto Viz. Radio. What's
2: up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Caban alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at RotoViz. Back after a little bit of a hiatus. Finishing up volume two of the rookie guide. We've talked a lot of prospect stuff, a lot of dynasty stuff over the last couple of weeks. Curtis, we now have a plethora of moves in free agency that we need to dedicate at least an episode here to quickly run through. We'll be talking about more of the ramifications of these as we make our way into the summer, but already a ton of movement and a lot of these very interesting to fantasy managers worldwide. How are you doing, Curtis?
3: Doing great, man. Feels good to have uh, feels good to have volume two of the rookie guide out, as you mentioned. Uh, really appreciated some of the work you did to compile some of the prospect metrics. I think we've got a really cool presentation of that. So hopefully the, most of the listeners have have purchased our rookie guide series. If you haven't, you know, go to roadoviz.com, click on the 2023 rookie guide tab and get that taken care of. You get volume one and volume two, get caught up on the class. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm doing okay. Our house has been a little bit of an infirmary of late. I'm still kind of struggling through that as well, but man, I watched a lot of basketball last weekend. Yep. Um, was really cool. Been enjoying, you know, having a little skin in on each of the games and it's just (laughs) fun, fun time of year for, for a lot of different reasons. There's so much going on really all of the sports world. So, um, I did, uh, it it was a very cool weekend to enjoy uh, my basement project. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so I mean, Epson uh, has hooked me up with the Epic Vision Ultra LS 800, and um, I'm customizing my basement for it, and it just was really appreciating how cool it was to watch games in quad view. Uh, you know, with a 120 inch screen, I had like four 65 inch TVs going <laughs> at the same time. So it's pretty cool. Uh, when you got into primetime, had all those games going. If you want to check out a system like that for yourself, you can go to Epson.comslash uh, right. um, I am ex- ex- excited to get into this free agency conversation. I mean, you know, I, a lot of these guys are, you know, pretty far into their careers. Um, And I think at first glance, maybe it'd be like, hey, this is veteran retread. But some of these guys are really going to get into, I think, some pretty nice volume opportunities. And it definitely warrants. You know, we've got the FFPC dynasty trade or uh, dynasty cut deadline coming up. So it's good to kind of review some of these names in that context. Maybe players that don't quite fit on an opponent's roster. You could get them for a little bit cheap in a trade uh, situation. But I think the exercise today is just, hey, arrow up or arrow down uh for fantasy points per game year over year. I think it's a great way to approach it and uh you know stoke a little curiosity out of the listeners, Dave.
1: Yeah, so that's exactly what I want to do. And the best part about it is Curtis, I've been talking about using the sound effect for a while. And there it is. We have some yeah. fantasy headlines. I'm geared up. I'm ready to go. The way this is gonna work, I'm gonna say the name of a player the team change. And then I want you to give me the needle up needle down a couple of thoughts. Then if I uh, feel it necessary, I will jump in, but there's a fair amount of movement. So I'm going to try to keep it brief on my end. The first name I want to mention, Derek Carr going from the Raiders to the saints in terms of Derek Carr himself, needle up, needle down or no maneuvering.
3: I think it should be, you know, you know, maybe sl- slightly up, but not because of changing the environment, just because you know he's typically performed a little bit better on a points-per-game uh, perspective than he did in 2022. He's really been a flat performer over the course of his career. and He's not going to have Devontae Adams, but Adams was really his primary weapon last year. I mean, Waller wasn't available for most of the season. Hunter Renfro took a big step back. I mean, it was basically the Adams show. You know, he's going to have Chris Olave now, the Saints locked up uh, Michael Thomas to keep him there. You know, I imagine they'll add another weapon. And um, I don't know. I mean, he's going to be indoor playing in the dome. NFC South's a little softer than the AFC West. I mean, I could see him getting back into that kind of middling QB2 area that he's hung out for most of his career. So I'll say flat for, you know, PPR per game. And I mean, it was probably a little bit of a, A boost or at least a reinforcement to prior levels for his dynasty value
1: yeah i mean i think i largely agree um just given the way things were going obviously uh for him in las vegas overall you know it has to be a needle up in that in that respect but uh we'll be exciting to see what this does for chris olave some of the other young players in that offense uh it certainly gives us something interesting to look forward to this season on the other side of the coin His replacement, Jimmy Garoppolo, makes his way from San Francisco to Las Vegas. We'll get to reunite with Josh McDaniels. Needle up, needle down. I think I know where you are going on this one, but let's hear it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would say, I'd say needle up here. Um, Not because I believe in McDaniels, but I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's never had Devontae Adams to throw to. Um. And that's really what this largely, I guess, uh, is, is weighted on, um, and and also, I mean, and I mean, Gar- Garoppolo is on such shaky territory because of what the the Niners have, you know, really been trying to do is give themselves a more dynamic uh, signal caller, you know, on the ground. You know, it's kind of debatable what his volume was going to be. So he really, more so than Carr, you know, he really resurrected his dynasty value. But I mean kind of like has been car plus when he's been healthy. I mean he's regularly been able to score, you know, in the low to mid 20s in PPR when his surrounding cast has been healthy and when he's been healthy. So, you know, now in a division where he's going to have to pass to keep up. Um coming over from a team in the Niners situationally where oftentimes they could run the game out. You know, I mean like so much is different about this situation like if you look at uh Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of like passing attempts, you know, you don't see a lot of seasons where you know he's highly rated. Like in his peak seasons in 2019 and 2021, when he was starting the the majority of the season, you know, he was like 19th in passing attempts, 20th in passing attempts. You look at Derek Carr, um, totally different story. I mean, he only played 15 games last season. He was 11th in passing attempts. In 2021, he was fifth in passing attempts. So. You know, I think there's gonna be a lot more passing opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I also think he's playing with the best player uh, that he's ever had at his disposal. So arrow up year over year.
1: Yeah. Just to put a little bit of context around that in 11 games last year, Garoppolo put up 17.7. Of course, week 13 was cut short. If we uh, don't put that against him, it was actually at 19.2 PPR per game. Uh, I think we'd, we'd expect him to finish somewhere around there and, uh, you know, we'll be interesting to see what he's able to do with a player like Devontae Adams. Now, a really interesting move here, Curtis, and we don't have the full context of it yet. We'll have to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers, but we talked a lot about Alan Lazard heading into last year's season. Uh, he is currently 27.2 years old. will make his way from Green Bay to new york obviously there are some other talented young wide receivers right there he'll actually be one of the veterans of the group if you will what do we think? what do we think about this move
3: well i mean it's like you said it's incomplete information i mean you and i like lazard I mean, we talked about him we were very heavy on him last year and it was kind of a mixed bag of results like when he was healthy, he actually did all the things that we thought he would do. It's just problem is he just was ouchy for so much of the season that, you know, he, he was out there because he could still help the team as a blocker. The second half of the season was really a letdown. Uh, but in the first half of the season, I mean, geez, like week two through week nine, I mean, he was averaging in the, you know, high teens. Um, he even had a, a week with 20.7 PPR know, his best game of the season against Detroit. If Rogers goes to New York, and Lazard's playing second fiddle to Garrett Wilson and teams can't, you know, make Lazard the priority in coverage. I mean, I think he could, you know, as the number two target getter there and lead the team in touchdowns, he could, he could actually have the season that we thought maybe he could have had in 2022, uh, just wearing a different helmet. But, I mean, if if they don't get Rodgers and they get shut out of any other QB improvement, because, as you noted, Derek Carr has already landed elsewhere. Jimmy Garoppolo's landed elsewhere. Jacoby Brissett has landed elsewhere. Gardner Minshew has landed elsewhere. The Jets could get frozen out. And so this is still like a wide range of outcome scenario. Assuming that the Jets and Packers can figure this out just for the purpose of completing the exercise. You know, I still think Lazard would have, you know, wide receiver two upside in this scenario. And that's what we said last year. I'll, you know, kind of run it back. This year, I mean, he was wide receiver 34 in points per game last year, even with all of those injured snaps that he played. Uh, he was 20th in touchdowns and 19th in air yards, despite being 32nd in targets. So, I mean, this is a guy that Aaron Rodgers has a connection with, and, you know, in, in an offense with with Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, I think it could be a lot of touchdown scoring opportunities.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that right now, um, I am playing it, like Lazard is a guy that I am interested in, in best ball. Um, I agree with you. I think if Rogers does make his way to town, uh, it's, it's not out of the question that we see him being the, the, the go-to there. Um, But obviously that's one we're going to have to come back to. looks like you yeah, might have something he, to add.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'll be the go-to. I think he'd be the number two, right? I right, mean, behind Wilson. He, yeah. Behind Wilson. But I mean, you know, we were talking in the show, preps, like kind of following the dollars. I mean, this is the biggest, this is tied for the biggest uh, in average annual value wide receiver contract of the offseason so far. I mean, I think that's material. And yeah. in, in terms of total contract value, it's the biggest uh, wide receiver signing of the off season. So, I mean, this is a legitimate wide receiver to money or even, you know, kind of high end slot receiver money. Um, when you look around the NFL, sh- short of the guys that play a lot of slot, but are actually alphas. Yep. Um, at $11 million a year. So, yeah, I mean, hey, good for the boy. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Uh, Behind him, Jacoby Myers, also (laughs) making his way to Las Vegas, coming in with $11 million a year, will be leaving New England, heading over to, uh, you know, perhaps the Western version of New England, playing alongside Jimmy Garoppolo underneath Josh McDaniels, is this a net positive for Myers? Does he stay the same, lose some value? What do you think?
3: I'd say it's about flat, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's going from being the top target getter in a low passing volume offense to being probably the number two in a high volume passing offense that has been known to feature the slot. Um, you know, he scored 186 and 185. PPR respectively in total scoring each of the last two seasons, you know, he did perform in PPR per game in 22 or 21, um, you know, equaling, equaling his raw output in three fewer games wide receiver, 28 in points per game. I mean, that feels right. I mean, I think he'd be a, a borderline wide receiver two wide receiver three guy. If he and Devonte Adams stay healthy all year and the Raiders continue to pass the clip they're passing at um, also knowing that, you know, they're not going to have a, a tight end, the quality of Darren Waller, you're trying to interfere you know, with some of that slot work that Myers is going to be featured in.
1: Yeah. So I guess one thing that we probably should add in case people forgot Myers last year, actually 28 in PPR per game, yeah. put up 13.3 PPR per game and actually had three wide receiver one weeks. So you know, coming in in a spot where we think he's going to hold that value more or less, that's actually a pretty good outcome for Myers, uh, making him another interesting option as we start thinking about our best ball drafts this year. Now, this one, Curtis, uh, for me as a fan, was very exciting. Uh, a couple years <laughs> later yeah. than I would have liked for it to happen, but Juju Smith Schuster <laughs> yeah. at 26.2 will move on from his stint in Kansas City to New England at $8.5 million a year. From a fantasy perspective, what do you think this does for Schuster? Smith
3: Schuster, I should say. Well, you know, Juju was wide receiver 33 in points per game this season, you know, slightly below, where about a point below per game where Jacoby Myers was. But, you know, he did that as you know kind of an a me too guy in the Chiefs offense and you know he I mean it's kind of funny <clears throat> if you look at the if you look at the weekly stat Explorer in our NFL stat explorer tool and just look at the just distribution of points per week for each of these two players, they're actually both pretty spiky, which is not what you would expect for the mm-hmm. type of receivers they are. Um but you know their their production profiles week to week actually kind of align pretty well. I would expect that Juju would have similar end-of-year counting stats, but with slightly more week-to-week stability. I mean, Myers was slightly more stable than Juju, a uh, slightly lower ceiling. I mean, his best game was, was not as good as Juju's three best games, um, but Juju had a lot of weeks where he was like under 7 PPR. Like, I mean, I just don't really see that. It's interesting that, you know, just of note, like, I mean, these guys are the same age to within a month of each other. And, you know, the Patriots let him walk, let Myers walk, you know, for what, two and a half million additional money uh, versus Juju. Now, I'm not a Patriots cap expert, so maybe that was really material for them, uh, being able to save that two and a half million dollars and based off of the other moves that they want to complete. But to me, it's kind of feels like eh, we think we can get something similar, you know, for cheaper um, and you know, we know that Juju's like a willing blocker. Like he does the stuff that Belichick values and in, in a wide receiver too. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd say it's, it's flat and it, it's cool for you as a fan to get a player that you've always been, you know, keen on, you know, now he's wearing your helmet.
1: Right. You know, um, the, the thing I'll just note here is that currently, um, in classic FFPC best ball drafts, you see Juju going as the wide receiver 47 Given that he came in as a high end or, you know, towards the back end, I should say, of wide receiver three territory last year, as did Myers, I think that he's a player you actually want to be targeting right now. I do think that he finishes somewhere uh, similar to what he did last year, like Myers did. Can't really say that it moves the needle, uh, but it definitely does not hurt him. Adam Thielen at 32 and a half years old. (laughs) Yeah, making a splash uh, on a team that has been very active so far in free agency will be leaving Minnesota where he has spent quite some time now heading over to Carolina where he's presumably the go to guy in that offense, at least as far as the wide receivers go. We'll have to talk about some of the moves at running back later.
3: Yeah, this one's tough. Like, I'm still formulating my opinion. Um, If you want to read some longer form on this, Neil Dutton uh, posted something on the site today. We're landing on the Panthers resurrect Adam Thielen's fantasy appeal. So you can read, you know, a a full breakdown there. You know, I'm really kind of conflicted because I always have a soft spot for players like Thielen um, that outproduce their value in fantasy for multiple seasons you know I was you know for you know, better part of the last decade huge Jarvis Landry fan huge Tyler Lockett fan you know drafted a lot of these types of players in the middle of redraft rounds and won a lot of championships doing that Thielen is one of those guys on that list You know, he's getting up there in age and you know we we thought a couple seasons ago that you know Jarvis Landry landing in New Orleans would be great for him right and you know, at some point, like the body just breaks down and, you know, with these older receivers, like they're kind of good until they're no longer relevant. Um, these curves sometimes are not soft uh, for these guys. There's a sharp decline. And so, you know, when you look at Thielen, um, injury really has been the issue. But I mean, the last two seasons, you know, in counting stats, you know, wide receiver, 28 wide receiver, 31, um, you know, this past year, he was wide receiver, 31, but he's 40, 45th in, in points per game. Uh, in 2021, though, I mean, he was wide receiver 16 in points per game. In 2020, he was wide receiver 11 in points per game. Now, this is in context of a, a Minnesota offense. that's far more effective uh, and well-run than than the Panthers have been in recent seasons, and we don't really still know what the Panthers quarterback situation is going to be, right? So, I mean... You know, there's some there's some stuff that kind of leaves you scratching your head. He should be, you know, the odds on favorite to lead the team's and target the team and targets when he's healthy to your point. I don't think it's reasonable to think he would return to like wide that wide receiver 11 or wide receiver 18 type performance. I mean, DJ Moore was struggling to hit those heights and he's a much younger player with a much more complete skill set at this point. Um, but I think, you know, I think Thielen could, you know, perhaps hit wide receiver 31 in points per game, you know, this year, you know, whereas he was that in in raw counting stats last year. So I'll say arrow slightly up only because, you know, he's not competing with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson for targets. I mean, it's going to be a little bit more wide open, but you know, the counter side of that, you know, I have to mention because otherwise people will mention it for me. Is having Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson in your offense going to make it a little easier on you? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you can probably argue that successfully from either side. Yeah. Uh, I'll say arrow slightly up.
1: Okay. I'm going to actually go the opposite direction here. So I will, I will take a couple of seconds here to break that down. Okay. I would say arrow pointing down. Now, one of the major reasons for that is if you look at Phelan, uh with the exception of last year, uh, last year was when we saw a pretty significant decline in his his year end finish. Uh, he had managed to be pretty efficient from a fantasy points uh, over expectation per game perspective. Now, as I've always said, you know this isn't something that carries from year to year. But the larger takeaway here is with the way that he has been playing, uh, it has been important for him to be efficient. Now, could he make up for some of that with volume in Carolina? certainly but i would say that the additional um volume that would have to come with that would have to also be of a quality that i don't know if he can approximate at this point in his career when you start to look at some of the advanced metrics as a result of that i think that i have to overall call this a bit of a downgrade although i suppose if i consider the fact that adam thielen last year finished with just 10.7 PPR per game as the wide receiver 45, perhaps in that context, I should say that he's going to hold, hold flat. So actually, as I talk through that, I'm going to go with, he holds flat (laughs) because I think it makes more sense. Cause I don't think there's going to be this massive drop off down from there, but I don't think that you're going to be able to get to the Adam Cleveland. We saw maybe even two years ago.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, I think we're, we're kind of agreeing. It's really just coming down to, what do you think is possible in the, in the Panthers offense Yep,
0: (laughs) Uh, for a 33 year old player? Right. All right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: With Adam
1: Thielen behind us, this is where it starts to get pretty fun, Curtis. We have Miles Sanders headed from Philadelphia to Carolina. Will he be able to do Christian McCaffrey-like things in that backfield? (laughs) I say that completely in jest.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously he's not going to do that. (laughs) Um, They already have. I mean, Frank Reich has already come out and said that, you know, they view Miles Sanders as a four-down back. So, I mean, I think, you know, the reasons that the team traded – Christian McCaffrey is, you know, what he was able to get them in return um, versus where he was at in his skill set and is what his value was to the offense in terms of where the Panthers are developmentally speaking, Um, you know, that was asymmetric. So getting Miles Sanders as a C plus version of Christian McCaffrey and what he was doing in the offense, I think is, you know, realistic. And in many ways, in many ways from an opportunity perspective, which is the most important thing for running backs, we know, because even the bad ones can produce just if they get the touches. Um, in many ways, this is an upgrade. I mean, he's not going to be battling, we don't think, a player of Jalen Hurts' quality when it comes to, to rushing the ball. Um, and the Eagles, you know, I mean, they were definitely like a, a, you know, a bona fide, you know, running back committee. And even in that context, I mean, Miles Sanders was the RB15, last season RB22 in points per game. I guess all of that being said, the Panthers are going to be, you know, we expect them to be a worse offense I think it will probably be flat. Um, I don't expect the types of 29.6, 31, 28.5 PPR explosions that we had from Sanders, um, you know, as people kind of took turns in the Eagles offense having their, their huge weeks. But I think lots of games between like 12 and 18 PPR are in his future. So, you know, I think RB 22 in points per game, I think he can repeat that or maybe potentially slightly improve on it. Um, but I don't think he will have weak winner type outputs like he did a couple times, um, last year, you know, right now he's available in the late single digit rounds and underdog. And now with the clarity of where he's landed, I haven't really seen that spike too much in the past few days. So I've actually started adding a couple shares there. Um, and kind of like the RB, you know, the zero RB accumulation zone. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, that's my thought. Sanders is a fine player, but, you know, know, he's pretty far into this thing. I think he is what he is at this point.
1: Right. And, you know, if you go back and you look at some of the Advanced metrics from the last couple of seasons that you're able to, as well as you can with a running back, isolate down into that player. You don't see anything that makes him stand out as an elite level running back. He did have those awesome performances last year. Uh, it's easy to think that those are largely driven by him being in Philadelphia. So I'm inclined to agree. I think we end up seeing him finish in a similar range in 2023, but how he gets there might be a little bit different than how he did in Philadelphia.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll take the under on 11 rushing touchdowns. I'll take the under on his 1,269 rushing yards. But I might take the over on his 20 receptions and 78 receiving yards and zero receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's fine. It's fine.
1: Also joining Sanders in Carolina is Hayden Hurst. He is 29 and a half years old, leaves Cincinnati, actually going to get paid seven and a quarter million dollars a year here uh, in Carolina. We talked about Adam Thielen being, uh, you know, one of those pieces now as a receiver. What do we think Hayden Hurst can do? Had a couple of flashes last year at different points in his career has been somewhat interesting. Um, You know, never made a huge jump, but still a player that's certainly relevant.
3: Yeah, Hurst, I mean, Back in 2020, he was the tight end 11 in PPR. I think it was when he was in Atlanta for that year. Yep. Um, it's unfortunate to see him fall off, you know, due to injury the the last quarter or so of last season. I mean, he had four tight end one week, and he had five tight end two weeks. We know Frank Reich likes his tight ends. Um, Hurst is a, you know, he's a willing blocker, an able blocker in addition to being a, a nice safety valve. So I think it kind of comes down to, you know, what type of quarterback do we get here? He was tight end 21 in raw counting stats across 13 games in 2022. He was tight end 19 in PPR. It is so flat. When you get down to that range, I mean, I think middling tight end two still feels very fair. Um, I will say flat, but with the qualifier that he could finish as the tight end 13 next year and not really appreciably be much better than, than he was in the points per game perspective last year again, because it is so flat.
1: Yep. No argument for me there. I think that's a good breakdown. Uh, this is the last player that I think I want us to spend more than a couple of minutes on David Montgomery at 25.8 years old exiting Chicago, heading to the divisional rival here, the Detroit lions. What does this do for Montgomery? I think this is going to be a pretty interesting player to see how fantasy managers react as we start drafting in 23.
3: Yeah. I mean, just look no further than what Jamal Williams was able to do. I mean, Jamal Williams is one of the most likable players in the NFL. Uh, Always a great interview. Love his energy. Love his positivity. I mean, he's not a player that I would have ever projected to be second among RBs (laughs) in total touchdown in any given season or to score, you know, 230 PPR would have never thought that type of outcome was possible. And it's the context of the Detroit offense that, that made it possible. They don't have a rushing quarterback. They were able to get in a scoring position, you know, fairly consistently. And, you know, they didn't really trust the, the RB two there to take those opportunities in Deandre Swift. So, I mean, I don't think that they let Williams walk and they get a younger player who is bigger <laughs> Um, and well suited to take on some of those duties like Montgomery, if they intended to give some of those duties to Swift. So, I mean, you got to kind of like it. I mean, good for Montgomery. He was a player that could have gone either direction, um, at, at this point, heading into a second contract with what looks to be a reasonably deep, uh, running back class coming into the league. It's good for him to land in a situation where, you know, yeah, th- you know, he could end up having, uh, a 10 plus touchdown season in Detroit for a lot of the same reasons that Miles Sanders and Jamal or that Miles Sanders did in, in Philadelphia last season, you know, explosive offense due to, you know, high end receiving core and um, you know, getting in scoring position a lot. I mean, Miles Sanders had plenty of opportunities even though Jalen hurts was rushing things in Um, you know, Montgomery now will not, he will not be fighting with Justin Fields for those looks Uh, he will be taking those looks from Jared Goff. So I don't know. I like it, man. His upside's probably, I would say, you know, much, much higher than it would have been uh, otherwise. So uh, it's still hard to like, I think he preserves his dynasty value, but, you know, running back 24 last year and running back 30 in points per game, I mean, I'll, I'll probably take the over on both of those. So
1: Jamal Williams last year rushed for a touchdown every fifteen attempts of players with more than a hundred attempts that led the league. Now yeah. I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say that you know that's the type of thing that you would expect to repeat purely because it happened in Detroit last year, but it does speak to what could be achieved here. And I think in comparison to that situation, he would have been in had he returned to Chicago. Uh, you have to be feeling better about this one, so I'd give a, you know the needle up on this one as well. All right, we're going to be quicker here. Robert Woods, right. out of Tennessee, arrives in Houston. Oh, which reminds me, actually, I do want to talk about Brandon Cooks. So let's talk. After you give me your quick thoughts on Woods, give me a couple thoughts on uh, Brandon Cooks. I will allow you to be a little more uh uh talkative here about Cooks if you would like.
3: Okay, well, on Woods, he was wide receiver 86 in points per game. Uh, he he was actually, he was on the field, I think, in every Tennessee game last year. Um, kind of crazy. Only averaged 6.9 PPR per game. Um, it's such a low bar.
1: It really is. It's such is. a low bar. I mean, I
3: I, I. I think I'll say, I think I'll say arrow up for him year over year, but. You know, I still wouldn't draft him as more than like a wide receiver five, probably.
1: Yeah. It's it's kind um, of at we're at the point it drafts. doesn't really matter that much.
3: Right? Well, it, I mean, you know, well, how much upside I mean, maybe, can Robert you know, if, Woods if, possess if, at this point? I don't point? know. I mean, if they if they draft CJ Stroud or so you know what I mean? Okay. All right. It's just you know, if they if they actually right. get a decent quarterback and it's not Davis Mills all season, I mean you know, he could have his situation could be improved for sure in a team that's going to be in a trailing script far more often than Tennessee was, and with potentially a quarterback that's more accurate, um, you know, and effective than than injured Ryan Tannehill was last year. But I mean, he, we're not going to see like these lost or these uh, Los Angeles Rams types no. out outputs where he's high in wide receiver too. So I'll put him. I'll say he'll be like wide receiver fifty five this year or something. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, and for and cooks, cooks, I mean, yep. yeah, for cooks going to the Dallas offense, being the number two to CD lamb. I mean, he, this journeyman just keeps getting it done. I mean, last year was his most frustrating season. I'm happy for the player that he gets back into more of a competitive, uh, situation. I'm sad that he's joining Dallas after Kellen Moore leaves and, um, and, and we see probably a more conservative offense coming in, but I mean, he's going to, you know, he's going to be better off you know this year in that offense yep
1: all right this is where we have to start going a little bit quicker uh jamal williams leaving detroit heading to new orleans what do we make what do we make of this
3: arrow down i mean I, I, he's not yep. just because he's a vic, he's victim to his own success you know versus last year i think you know he could return to his 120 to 140 ppr type outputs he was getting in green bay uh But I don't see another 200 plus point PPR season coming.
1: Yep. Uh, Another interesting one here of a player leaving Dallas in this case, but headed to Houston in tight end Dalton Schultz.
3: I mean, this poor guy took a one year, $9 million deal (laughs) for the Texans. I mean, I don't know, man. Um, You know, but all things being said, you know, he was tight end nine in PPR per game. I mean, the bar's low. I could see this being flat for him. Um, I would expect him to be, you know, he might lead the team in targets.
1: Yeah. Um, so much is going to hinge on if they have a quarterback that's going to have this offensive position where he can score touchdowns. It was eight in total touchdowns last year. Uh, we'll have trouble approximating what he did last year, I think, if that number falls. Uh, Samaj P. who made some explosions uh, for Cincinnati, uh, last couple of years, leaving Cincinnati, arriving in Denver, needle up, needle down.
3: That's tricky, man. It's tricky. I mean, P. P. had like the the slowest ramp up curve ever of any back. I mean, in year five, he finally breaks a hundred PPR. Kind of crazy. Um, he did it on the strength of three spike games as a backup, uh, slash change of pace to to mix in. Now he gets. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and a new look, new design Broncos offense. We don't know, you know, when Javante Williams or if Javante Williams would be healthy. I mean, P Ryan could actually potentially be the feature back for the you know, first path, you know, part of the season and then take a backseat. 142 PPR is still just, it's a high number, man. I will. He was wide. He was running back 45 on the year and, and, 36 in total PPR. I'll say it's a slight downgrade um, just because I don't trust the Broncos offense to be as good as Cincy.
1: Well, there is the fact that they propelled Latavius Murray to fantasy relevance last year. Uh, Not that I'm going to make a case, but any chance I get to talk about Latavius Murray now I take.
3: All right. Alexander yeah, I mean, Madison Latavius, Latavius and, and Samaje Piran produced about the same amount of <laughs> points last year within like five points of each other. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably a fair point, but it's a new coaching staff. Yeah, I don't know. That's a fair point. Okay. Yep. So Dave says maybe, maybe there's, there's hope for flat. I'm going to say slight downgrade.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would try to make the case that there's been, a, I'm actually probably more in line with you than my last comment would lead you to believe, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alexander Madison feels like he's been mm. in the league a long time. Still only 24.7 remains a Viking.
3: Yeah, this one's tough. So this is one where if the arrows up, it's going to be way up. Yeah. Um, the fact that he stays, there's so much rumor about Davin cook switching teams. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to move on or not, um, given some of the you know, the salary considerations there, but I think they would like to. If, if Cook is moved and the team just invests a day three pick at running back, I mean, Madison could be a huge value. So I think right now is the time to invest in him on the idea that maybe he gets a chance at a featured role. Um, we've still never seen him get high-end running back two usage. He's only really been valuable in spot starts. So um, we we can assume flat, but with like, you know, parabolic upside.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert both remain Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about this in tandem.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's flat for both of them. They're both great fits in the system. I mean, they're going to both be great best ball picks. I mean... Uh, Dolphins are running it back, man. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I think it's, it's fun. Creates two fun
1: options that we went to the well with last year, and I think we will be doing so again. Paris Campbell from Indianapolis to the New York Giants, team that has brought back Daniel Jones and is looking to become one of the hot young teams in the NFL.
3: Yeah, I mean, Paris Campbell, 151 PPR, finally, I mean, he played in 17 games, finally stayed healthy however many years into his career. He was wide receiver fifty-nine in points per game, 48 in total scoring. Um, I'll say Arrow up, man. I mean, I like him landing with with Brian Dayball, uh, and you know, what should be an emerging Giants offense and plenty of room to, you know, lock down at worst, maybe a wide receiver two spot. Uh, or potentially even be the lead target getter as a hedge on Wandale Robinson. So, yeah, I like it, man. I, I like, uh, like him moving over there to greener pastures than, uh, than where he was in Indianapolis.
1: Sure. All right. Heading into his fifth season, Devin Singletary no longer in Buffalo, winds up in the Houston Texans backfield. Needle up, needle down.
3: I mean, I think it's needle down. I mean, this offense isn't going to score nearly as much as Buffalo. And, you know, young D, young Damian Pierce, probably more of a threat to Singletary getting low-end RB1 usage than any other backfield mate he had during his time in Buffalo. So, if one year, $3.7 million. I don't know. I mean, arrow down.
1: Yeah, agree. Also, uh, I want to note that Pierce last year... Did not record an RB1 finish after week five. All three of his came before week five. I think uh, with the way this team is going to operate, what we might see from Singletary might be uh, a a, a sparse uh, green bar chart for him moving forward. Uh, For those of you that check out the Rotovis Stat Explorer. All right. We've already talked about uh, the Panthers and some of their players. But we have Donta Foreman leaving Carolina, heading into that Chicago backfield where we saw David Montgomery uh, vacate. What do we think of Foreman in Chicago?
3: Um, I can't remember who said it. I wish I could off on the fly. <clears throat> I think I saw somebody on Twitter today something say something to the effect of, the Panthers are the dynasty team that forgot to spend all its money in the (laughs) auction. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I mean, um, and uh, you know, so that, you know, the the Foreman, you know, gets out of there and goes over to Chicago. I don't know. Khalil Herbert looked like a player that the team would want to get a, a longer look at. I don't think Foreman's probably quite as good as David Montgomery um, you know, maybe he would have a little bit more touchdown upside uh, in Chicago than he had in Carolina if Justin Fields continues to take a step forward and the team um, looks better with the the wide receiver compliment that it's going to have this season. He really had, I mean, geez, like 85% of his production just in four games last season. I think, you know, similar to what we've said for some other players, maybe a smoother curve, but I think that he'll be he'll be the power back Um, but not necessarily the lead back in this system. I think Justin Fields might still lead the team in rushing. I'll say, I'll say arrow down.
1: Fair enough. All right. We could not make our way to the Mm. list of free agency moves without talking about (laughs) your boy, Rashad Penny leaving. Seattle headed to Philadelphia where he will play alongside Jalen hurts in that Eagles offense.
3: So listen, man, you know, when you talk about Rashad Penny, the only question ever has been health. And that's only been increasingly true. I'm looking for, yeah, this is, this is a great tweet. This is a great tweet that I sent out on March 12th. So Rashad Penny in 2021 amongst running backs with at least 50 rushing attempts was first in yards per carry and first in yards after contact per carry Rashad Penny in the same category in 2022 among running backs with at least 50 attempts first in yards per carry first in yards after contact per carry and Penny posted 20 plus yards on 9.1% of his attempts <laughs> over those two seasons by far the highest rate of any running back over those two years. If the, if the man could only stay healthy, I mean, I think if he's healthy, you know, he could, uh, you know, he could easily approximate those miles Sanders numbers, if not even eclipse them. Um, You know, but it would be a shady bet to, you know, think that he would finally get a full season this far into his career. That being said, he was blocked behind Kenneth Walker, even if he was healthy, probably because of what the team has invested We don't know what else Philly will do. Will they invest high in draft capital? You know, we're seeing some backs get mocked there on day one and day two. So we'll have to see. This is another one where it's like like we were talking about with Madison. You know, it might might be flat on paper, but if the arrow is up, the arrow would be way up. So yet again, for however many years in a row, Rashad Penny will be amongst my most owned players in early best ball drafts, really pumped about this situation for him. Could we see his first, uh, you know, double digit touchdown season? Uh, Maybe so. Well,
1: (laughs) time will tell. We will be back again (laughs) later this week. A lot more to talk about as we make our way into the spring. Very much. So looking forward to getting the landing spots for these draft picks and then really getting the ball rolling. We will see you later this week.